I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This is Internet Marketing. Brought to you by Site Visibility at sitevisibility.com. This is Internet Marketing. I'm Andy White, and I'm joined today by Jonathan Slobom and David Ormond, co-founders of Peppered Moth Marketing. Hi, guys. Hi. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. We'll get into what you do in a second, but I just have to say I love the name Peppered Moth, and I can imagine how you might have come up with it being a zoologist, but you tell us how you came up with the name Peppered Moth. Dave, you're the biologist. Do you want to answer that? Yeah, absolutely, Andy. I, I um, Well, as, as with all companies, you, you have to sit around brainstorming names and 90% of them have already gone when it comes to web domains and, and uh, companies' house. But as a, as a biologist, in fact, a microbiologist, I remember my days around, uh, you know, evolution and Darwin. And the peppered moth is a small moth species in, you know, in the UK uh, that, that in the Industrial Revolution was uh, subject to the smog and smoke and killed it part of its natural habitat, which is lichens on the oak trees and got uh, eaten alive at that point because it's very exposed, but it has a black form that survived and prevailed in that time. And when the air cleared and, it, you know, the peppered form is back, um, hiding in the lichens again. And the reason we picked it is, is a business reason, really, is, is it's a story about survival of the fittest. Uh, it's, a, it's a story of, of evolution. And as, as Darwin has quoted, you know, it's not the strongest of species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but it's really those that are most responsive to change. Mm. And we believe that's probably true for many businesses out there. So we, we like the name, um, the, the, the story there, but, but, but actually it has a great business parallel. Absolutely. So as a business grows, it tends to find its markets and its um, customers become more complicated. And... Um, at that point, some of them failed to adapt, and we're very much focused on helping um, established businesses really respond effectively to their changing environment. The whole thrust of today's talk is sort of developing a solid marketing strategy as as a business grows. What are you seeing at the moment in terms of what firms are doing with their marketing? How, how should it evolve over time as they grow? Yeah, so um, I think Andy, the most important things I'm 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 passionate about. The definition of marketing and marketing strategy you know for me marketing is about meeting customer needs you know within the available resources of the business as best you can in order to better serve them than your than essentially than your competition and 
you know, that that capital M view of marketing strategy requires, you know, people to answer some big questions around marketing as to as to which customers they're interested in, who they want to focus on, what they want to offer them and how they want to allocate scarce resources towards priorities for, for growth. The trouble is, uh, which you know, alluding to your question, is that they often um, have a more narrow view of marketing and, and firms may may be focused in on the sort of more tactical end of the spectrum uh, uh, from the get-go. So that's a definition issue that we, we are passionate about. The, the other thing we see, though, to your question specifically about how they go about strategy is I, I do get a bit irritated actually when I read articles saying that SMEs often don't have a strategy or a marketing strategy mm. and I think they do actually um, often it's from the leadership who may have had 10 or 20 years in another business and they've got a you know a clear idea and a focus and a, a proposition for a certain types of customers and that sort of leadership led approach to a strategy from the get-go for an entrepreneur is is uh, very common uh, we also see firms experimenting with things, and then they they pick a route to take based on a, a pilot. You know, we saw the we saw the uh, the story with uh, with innocent smoothies with them with the the voting bins of yes and no. At, you know, at Glastonbury when mm. they're saying, do you look, shall we progress this business or not? And the the yes bin was was brimming. That sort of experimentation uh, is a powerful sort of way to to pick where to play. Um, but then we, you know, we also see firms that go through a bit more systematic planning and, and, and or, or, or they may use all three of those approaches. There's nothing wrong with any of them. The answer probably to which is best is that it depends. You know, it mm. depends on their market. It depends on their, their company as to how the mix of those approaches uh, uh, best works for them. It's very interesting, actually, because having worked for a startup myself, it's quite revealing to see how the strategies, not just in marketing, but in other areas as well, can, can sort of, it's almost like changing a gear as the company grows. And it's yeah. often accompanied with like bringing a new person in, like bringing a new marketing person in or sort of expanding the marketing team from one person to multiple people. And I know you guys are very passionate about this. I mean, what, what's a typical um, progression in the way that marketing is carried out? sort of as a business grows what what have you seen yeah so what what happens so let let's make it up right let's say let's say that that they started out the gate like many of us you know with a good idea they had a, access to some sort of product or service they wanted to offer they knew who they wanted to offer it to they've gone out the gate they've made made a good good start and things are going well making some you know some sales some profit uh, what tends to happen is that they you know they run into these sort of complexities of growing the company, the size of the team, there's more, more more structure and process around it. So the internal environment changes. But equally, if they're in a market that's attractive, that changes too. It gets more complex. You may have more competition. Customer expectations may change. Mm. The regulatory environment may change. You, you know, all sorts of things evolve. And in, in that scenario, what, what we... Uh, tend to see happen is is that they the old days of you know I knew all about this and I'll do it all from my own top of my head is is probably can become inadequate for two reasons one is that it ends up leaving the newly hired team behind the the, the entrepreneur who, you know i.e it's being foisted upon them rather than a team-based decision as to where to play and how to win mm. Uh, and the other issue is that, that market complexity, or sometimes marketeers call, call to about turbulence in the market, in fast-changing markets, 
starts to get the better of those firms because they're not necessarily all over the uh, the complexity of the market and how it's changed and how best to play for the next three to five years. And one or the other reason leads them down a path of, of needing to probably strengthen the the planning, uh, layering that into their, their own opinions and, and, and working through the team to come up with, a, with, a, with the next raft of growth. Hmm. But there's often a few scenarios that stimulate the need to um, adopt a more formal strategy. And typically we see um, companies where there's a expanding marketing budget and then a finance director or the founder entrepreneur starts to challenge what are we actually spending this marketing money on and am I getting great value for it? Um, another scenario is that um, sales are starting to slow down. Mm. And when they have that absolute honest discussion, they realize that they don't fully understand why. And in order to fully understand why, they need to start asking those fundamental strategic questions and then come up with um, answers so that those limited resources the company have got are focused on areas where they're going to get maximum outcome. And then the third area is that often businesses have a plan that they want to um, sell because it's to do with succession. They want to get investment because they want to um, increase the speed of expansion. Mm. And the past of the business is well articulated. It's often financial. But actually what investors are looking at, they're looking at the future and they're trying to gain some confidence that A, their money is safe, and B, they're going to see a return on their investment. And when it comes to articulating that future, quite a lot of businesses struggle. And again, having a sound, robust and practical marketing strategy at the core of those sorts of documents is absolutely fundamental to maximizing the value of the business and sharing that vision for the future. It's interesting, actually, you, you mentioned something which got me thinking, because I've got limited experience. I mean, I've worked for, for one startup and a, several established businesses. Is there a pattern when you're very small? Do a lot of businesses not have a sales department, but have a marketing department, and then they get the sales or what seems to be being called a biz dev these days? I don't think they like the word sales. Does that often come on later? Is that a pattern that you're seeing or have I got it completely wrong? I would say we wouldn't see a particular pattern, whether it's sales or marketing. The most common pattern is that the company grows through trial and error. So they look at a number of marketing tactics and then they flip from one to the next to the next. They might try a bit of PPC. They might go to a trade show. They might have some sales guys. Um, but what they're lacking is that there's no overarching strategy and vision mm. to cement that all together and get a synergy. Having, having said that, Jonathan, I, I, you know, again, I'm not sure what the trend is. Maybe sometimes I've seen firms start first with the sales investment because mm. they just need to get out there and get get leads, get conversions, drive the business from a sales perspective. Mm. But one thing I, you know, I, I'm a bit of a purist, I know, and um, it is one thing if they do do that, and if they layer in a, you know, a marketing investment uh, headcount or, or or expenses alongside that at some point is. There's nothing worse than having a them and us going on. So, the, the, you know, if they do start in either direction, whatever that investment is, it, it should ultimately be uh, one and the same thing with a, with a group that really sales and marketing that, that, that talk uh, uh, to each other per se. They work together and it's marketing strategy that should come first. And sales is a, is a very powerful channel among, among other channels that um, we may get onto later in the discussion. Mm -hmm. 
So what's, I mean, getting practical now, what steps do you think firms should be taking to get where they should be as they grow? Can you give us seven top tips? Yeah, so um, we can. And I'll tell you where this comes from, Andy, because we we were, I I spent, you know, 20 years in, uh, which which frightens me every time I say that, (laughs) I spent 20 years uh, around the world in sales jobs, in marketing jobs, uh, through, you know, through to running uh, European marketing groups, global groups, etc. And the, re- the reason I mention that is that when you pick up the textbooks, uh, you know, the, the famous textbooks of marketing, like Kotler, for example, you know, wonderful texts, uh, you know, based on really, really driving the, the, the theoretical academic understanding of what marketing is and what it, how it should be done. Even if you read those, you do end up with some confusion about, in real life, in the real world, how to hang it all together in a practical uh, way when it comes to, to running a small business. So, mm. so what, we, what we did is we brainstormed a, a, a logical number of steps that not only are seven steps that you, that you ask, which I'll run through very quickly, they also run in a cycle. And it's important that they run, if you like, sequentially sequentially and psychically in a, in a world of sort of continuous improvement towards uh, getting uh, best practice in marketing. The first step uh, is really what we say is market insight. Uh, that is, what do you need to know about your market uh, around competition, around customers, customer needs in particular, um, what's going on with suppliers, what's going on with potential partners and collaborators, uh, which channels uh, are, are being used in that market? So, and is the market growing? Is it shrinking, uh, etc.? Um, th- those insights uh, are key. And insights not about basic data; it's about something that's valuable to your business. So, an insight that you have that others may not have seen about the market. Mm. Then you would say, okay, well, you know, what? Secondly, what are the needs of, of the customer groups that we see in this market? And more importantly. What are the unmet needs um, um, and are they important to these customers? So if there's groups of customers out there that have unmet needs uh, that you could potentially serve, that's very attractive as a marketeer. Um, so that, that leads you to your third step of saying, are, are, are these segments? And, you know, segmentation is one of my big bugbears. I, I see it done often too simplistically with simple descriptors like age, sex and geographic location. That That's mm. all nice to have in a targeting world later on in your plan. But when I'm talking a marketing strategy, the segment should be done by customer need. Where do groups of customers share a need? Are, are they accessible? Would it be viable to target these groups of customers with our proposition? Those sorts of questions. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And then you're going to end up really probably from that process with a bunch of opportunities saying you, know, you could do A, B, C, or D. And that's great, right? Gives you choices. And you may have identified issues in the market as well that, you, you, that may threaten your business. And then I'm, I'm, you know, I'd like people to be very disciplined in our in in the next step, which is around prioritisation, saying which mm. opportunity are we going for, or which two or three opportunities we're we going for, which issue we're we going to tackle or or not, and that that is strategy. If you don't make those prioritisations, you're really trying to do everything, and that's not feasible in a limited resource environment. So we say that if you've picked a segment or two, and you've picked maybe an issue you think is going to be managed, you know, you've got a regulatory issue or competition on your back, you know, you might pick something to, to to deal with on that side. Then, then, then the segments you've picked leads us to the next step, which would be uh, positioning, intended positioning. So, what, mm. how would you position your products and services versus competition in the minds of these customers in these segments? And that's uh, you know a challenge, but you need some differentiation and sustainability in that proposition. And you'd need to then define what messages around that, you know, you would like to communicate to the market, um, to that segment. And each positioning statement you know, should reflect the, 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 the need-based segment you, you've identified. So you've gone around this cycle from insight to needs to, to segments to prioritization for growth or issues to manage. You've talked about your intended positioning. And then you would say... Can I just I, interject very quickly on positioning? Um, the crucial thing to add about positioning is that whether you make a positive decision on positioning or not, it will happen in the um, mind of the consumer. Mm. And so you're much better off to get a focus so that you've got a little bit of influence over that positioning um, and the thinking that the customer will have about you rather than letting it occur by market events. Yeah, so it, it will happen whatever you do, but you can certainly shape it strategically uh, with the right messages and channels. So once you've got to that point in your, in your strategy, you've got a lot further than many folk would have been in the thinking. Uh, and then you really, it's about getting getting ready or readiness, we, we would say. And that readiness really composed of the usual mix of things such as setting your price. Uh, what, what are they prepared to pay for your proposition? Um, setting your promotional plan. So what channels of promotion uh, are you going to put these messages and communications through? Is it going to be through the internet, through the web? Is it social media? Is it trade shows? Is it PR, advertising, direct mail? The, the choices are endless. Um, we would also say distribution. You know, how are you going to get your product from A to B? Um, and then, and then, is your product or service ready for prime? You know, is it is it ready to meet the needs of those groups of customers you're after? And the product development piece needs to be ready, ready for prime time. So at that point, you're ready. Then the last step 
is execute. Mm. So make it happen, you know, visit the customers, sell the product uh, um, and drive the business in, in these segments you're after with, with at the right price and, and so on. But the, the cycle doesn't stop there. You know, it, it really is an ongoing thing because in that phase, uh, you will learn a hell of a lot about the market insights and listening to customers. Are they happy? Are they not happy? How would they change things? So the next time you go into that cycle, you can do a better job at, at, um, at, at innovating on the product or, or changing the way you provide services, etc. And th- that cycle for its, you know, for an acronym is we, we called it Inspire. Um, that's what each step spells, as it were, as a, as a sort of a, a, a memorable way of, of, of thinking it through. It is complex, but we've, we've certainly written an ebook on that. We can touch on it at the end if yeah, you yeah. want to understand it a bit better. So it's a kind of a, a loop that you go through with a continuous adjustment and improvement on each iteration. There's a good programming word for you, iteration. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly right, Andy. In my, last, uh, in my last job, I was sitting in, in New York. I ran a global marketing group for a corporation, and uh, I introduced a solid planning cycle you know, in line with the finance function for that corporation. And in year one, to your point, my team got to a, you know, a reasonable standard of developing strategy. Strategy is hard, right? You know, it's not easy. Mm. Otherwise, we'd all be doing it. Year three, when I left New York, they didn't need me anymore. They were doing it better year on year going through this type of thinking because you learn what you don't know as much as what you do know. And they, they got really quite strong at doing this. It's good that you just touched on a, on a case study there. Have you got any other, just briefly, a case study that illustrates what you've just said? Yeah, so um, I've worked with quite a few uh, businesses, and, and I, you know, there's a, a, a recent case where business was, um, for all the reasons we've described earlier in this discussion, we had a, they, they were they were focused on more in the market research uh, arena, and um, you know they'd done really well actually with the the leader had built the company uh, with a clear vision and focus, but things had got much more complicated internally. Um, more layers of people and more uh, more opinions, if you like, more processes, and their market had got much more complicated because it was a very attractive market, mm. and they were sort of spinning the wheels a, a little bit on their next growth phase, thinking, you know, where where do we go next? We've got a great core business, but we want to grow beyond that. And you ask the management team, they have ten different opinions, and and then the wheels keep spinning, and no one's going anywhere in particular. So what, what I did with that company was really just to uh, work with them one-to-one, but go into a workshop situation, capture those opportunities for their future growth phase, capture the issues they were facing, and force a prioritization from the team towards A, B, and C, i.e. strategy. And they, they did that very effectively. And then they come away with that not only with a clear path for future growth, um, but they also come out with alignment, you know, all pulling in the same direction and their, their limited resources of time and money are focused now on those priorities and not on the myriad of other things that they could, could choose to do. It doesn't mean they won't do those things later as part of their vision, but it means that they've got, a, you know, a, a good three year plan. Mm. The other example I'll give you is a more tactical one, at least the, the, the beginning of it was that you know, we, we came across a business that was trying uh, to develop its tactical plan before it had a strategy. And in fact, they were trying to brief a web developer. 
And the web developer, as all good web developers would do, would send them a, a, a sort of outline brief to complete saying, you know, what, who are you trying to communicate with? What are you trying to say? What's your positioning? What's your messages? How do you want to pitch the content of this website? And they were scratching their heads saying, well, actually, I'm not quite sure because actually, who are, we speaking, <laughs> who are we speaking to? And what exactly are we trying to say that they would, that would resonate with them? Mm. And so we ended up in that situation, sort of back engineering into the big discussions that we've alluded to on this call, such that they then can go back to that uh, brief and and be very clear to the web developer. This is who I'm after. This is what I'm offering. These are my core messages. And and you know this is how I want to to develop the content of this site. Um, and there's a win win there for the for the for the company and for the vendor to get clarity. Well, guys, it's been a real, I was going to say a real insight, even though you've used that word as your acronym, but it has been an insight. Um, how can our listeners find out more about you and more about Peppered Moth? Also, tell us about the ebook that's coming up or that you've written, in fact. Okay, there's quite a few th- things there, Andy. Um, first of all, because we're actually recording a podcast here, it's worth mentioning the fact that um, Peppered Moth will very shortly be all launching their own podcast. Um, And what we're going to be doing there is we're going to be speaking to established businesses that have been through these pains or are going through these pains that we've just described. So they might be wanting to predict their future more reliably. They might be looking to raise finance. But in all these circumstances, we're going to interview them and we get get hold of the uh, managing director, the leader, the entrepreneur, the founder. So we've got some great guests already lined up. Um, We've spoken to Sean Sutherland. And for those that don't know who Sean Sutherland is, she is the founder of Mio, which is a female cosmetics brand. And she entered an extremely crowded market that most people on the outside would say don't go near, being cosmetics and creams and gels and serums. Mm. But she focused on pregnant women and post-pregnancy. And she's carved out a fantastic, robust niche for herself by focusing her limited resources effectively to the extent where now she's trading internationally um, and is extremely well known within her niche. Equally, um, on the other side, we've just interviewed Emmanuel Rosen. And Emmanuel is the author, a successful businessman himself, but he's also the author of two books, one which a lot of people would have heard which is called The Anatomy of Buzz, which is basically about the power of word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And then the second one, which he's um, launched, was Absolute Value. And Absolute Value is talking about the shift in um, power between brands and consumers. So not so long ago, there was a time when the brand could put a message out and the customers didn't have any information to challenge that view. With the advent of the internet and mobile comms, they now have masses of real-time um, peer information that they can use to verify what the brands are saying. So there's been a huge, huge shift from the power of brands back to the power of the consumer. And his book is about how companies should adopt that change. And we've got other entrepreneurs and business founders as well lined up, but not from quite such well-known businesses. But um, it should be good. And the idea is that um, those that listen will be able to relate to the challenges that the people we interview um, have come across. That's brilliant. And what's the title of that podcast, Jonathan? Peppered Moth Marketing. Peppered Moth Marketing. To be found in iTunes and all good podcast directories. You've got it. That's definitely <laughs> on iTunes. Excellent. We've also got um, an ebook. So Dave has 
taking you through Inspire. If people go to our website, which is peppermothmarketing.co.uk, they will see um, on the homepage, if they scroll down the Inspire cycle, they can click on the link and download an ebook, which gives a little bit more um, information around Inspire, but also it's got some practical actions that people can take. In fact, for each one of the seven tips that we've identified, we clearly identify um, actions that people can take in order to start developing their own robust marketing strategy. And David, um, I know a little birdie tells me that you're writing a book, aren't you? Are you happy to give us a quick insight as to what that's going to be about? Yeah, absolutely. So from the ebook that people can download, Jonathan mentioned, we, you know, I, I, I'm in draft two of an actual book. Uh, we're still kicking around the the title and the and the and the, and the detailed content, but really it will be an expanded self-help version of of the ebook. Really, where if you're an entrepreneur experiencing any of these these challenges, you, you may be a non-marketeer, for example, and you get as confused about strategy development as I was for the last 20 years and now I finally worked it out and you wanted to pick up something you could say okay let's give me a logical practical steps to go through with some examples real world this is how I need to go about it with me with my team the book will be about that sort of process so that people could have a go-to handbook really just to make sure that they're asking the right questions and going through the right thinking in the business as they evolve we should get out in the next month. So I don't have a timeline yet, but we're, we're working on it. Excellent. So Jonathan and David, co-founders of Peppered Moth Marketing, thank you very much indeed. Brilliant. Thank, thank you. you, Andy. So thanks for listening, listeners. Uh, you can find the podcast at sitevisibility.com forward slash IM podcast, all one word. And if you've got questions, um, the email address is podcast at sitevisibility.co.uk. And if you want to call in an audio message or an audio question, then it's plus four four one two seven three two five six one five zero. And of course, we're in iTunes and we love reviews and ratings. So it's goodbye from me, Andy White. And it's goodbye from Jonathan and David. Bye-bye. Thank you very much. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> and we'll see you next time on Internet Marketing. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.